0: Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially, and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Hey, Happy New Year, Liverpool One Church. You can go ahead and take your seats. It is... um... It is so great to have every single one of you that is joining us in the room for the start of 2022. I mean, like, seriously, can you even believe that we are here? Another year has gone. It feels like we've lost maybe 18 months, but we're glad that we're taking on another year. And I don't know about you, but we are, we're full of faith, right, that this year is gonna be the absolute best year in your life and in the life of our church. and. Let me also say this, we've got some guests that are joining us online today from the Hills Church which are rooted up in the northwest of Northern Ireland. Now, Liverpool One Church family, just let me tell you this real brief story. You may not know this, but this is what kind of a church you guys are. This is the type of church that you are involved in building because you have on many occasions you've provided emma and i the opportunity to go over and help be involved in the start of the hills church which is led by pastors andy and victoria gamble and man i was there at their launch like two years ago and these guys are killing it like and these maybe people that you might not know directly but they're just doing the same thing as us they're just trying to use every God-given gift skill set that they've got within them to reach their community for Jesus so we love having them as part of our friends and our family and they're joining us online today so Liverpool One Church can we make our friends and family from Northern Ireland feel incredibly welcome today we're glad you're here guys we love you we're your biggest fans we are your biggest supporters so in a moment we're going to jump into a bit of a one hit wonder message that we've entitled Jesus at the Center because next week we're going to be starting a brand new series called Just Jesus, but you hear me say this all of the time, but we feel passionately about this, right? The last thing that you guys need, the last thing that you guys need at home is just another word, is another talk, is another preach from some random guy that maybe you know, maybe you don't know. What we all need, and the fact that you're here online or in the room gives credence to this fact. What we all need is a now in season word from God. You don't need another thing from me. So that's only gonna happen, right, if we centre ourselves and put him first so Liverpool One Church, The Hills Church, can we pray together? Heavenly Father we're thankful that we're here at the start of yet another new year and we're expectant for all that you've got for us but Lord we want to start the year out well and we don't just want to create a resolution create an idea or a concept that might help us but rather what we earnestly want is to hear the still small sound of your voice. So our prayer today is that as we leave church, that we would know, feel, and sense like we've just heard from God. And everybody said, amen, amen.
1: Amen. Well, you know, when you open your Bibles, first words that you'll read in the book of Genesis, says, in the beginning, God. So I figured God is a pretty good place for us to start the beginning of the year, the very first service back in person. And then there's this old saying, do you remember this saying, Christians don't tell lies, we sing them in church. And it's so true, because if we ever could realise and understand the power behind the word that we are singing, lives would change situations would change. You know, when God's children back in in biblical times, when they sang the word of God, walls came down. When they sang the word of God, battles were won, right? And so we wanna base this talk around Jesus at the center of it all which is a song that we sang over christmas it's one that we've been hooked on for a couple of weeks
0: it's all been playing in our house for like two weeks solid like honestly we're gonna sing it later and i'll probably walk out because i can't stand it anymore i've heard it that much <laughs>
1: it's a good job one of us has sent to jesus right <laughs> you know the book of ecclesiastes talks about timing And it says that there's a time for everything under the sun. And timing is really important. There's a time to spend your money. There's a time to save your money. There's a time to make friends. And there's a time that you need to possibly let go of some friends. But timing is everything. Because without timing, life doesn't make sense. So for me, when I put Jesus at the centre of it all, because that's what we sing, that's what the Word says. It's not Jesus at the centre of the bits of my life that I choose, but actually I'm going to take control of the bits that I don't really want him to be centred in. Jesus at the centre of it all, it's talking about the timing. And in Acts 3, it talks about Jesus being the author of life. And if you are living, breathing, then your life is a story that is still being written. And so if you're going to put Jesus at the centre of the story of your life that is being written, then he is going to be the author of the timing of all things in your life. Without punctuation, a story doesn't make sense. One of our kids was a great story writer and we would go into school to read his stories And you would like be breathless because he would get that carried away with the story that he'd forget all about the punctuation. And without the punctuation, there was nowhere to take a breath. Without the punctuation, you couldn't really understand the context of what he was writing. And without the punctuation, it just kind of left you exhausted. And I think sometimes we just get carried away with life that we forget about putting some punctuation in there. When Jesus is centered in your life, he helps you punctuate the story of your life so it makes sense as you go along. Jesus will show you where there needs to be a comma. And a comma's not a full stop, but a comma allows you to take a breath. Some of you are doing life exhausted because you haven't stopped to take a breath for such a long time. You just keep going and you just keep going. Well, when you read through the Psalms, there's this little word at the end of most of the Psalms and it says, Selah.
0: David was a scouser. <laughs> Selah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to say great. that. Selah, right? And, and, and that word it means pause breathe, ponder, wait. And and when Jesus is centre of your life, he'll show you where you need to just breathe. You need to just ponder, you need to just wait. Just because someone's texted you, they don't need replying immediately. Just because the phone rings, you don't have to pick it up. Just because they want a coffee, it doesn't have to be this week. It's like you need to start to pace your life and Jesus at the centre helps you do that. Jesus at the centre shows you where there needs to be a full stop. Some of you need to put a full stop in some of the conversations you're having. No, sorry, not gonna have that. Put a full stop in that mindset that you've got so you don't become like a runaway train. Jesus at the centre shows you where to put full stops in your life because if you don't put a full stop in, you'll start writing chapters of your life that should never be written. Jesus at the center of your life will show you where the exclamation marks are coming those exclamation marks that take us by surprise, the unexpected report, the thing we didn't know was going to happen, the thing that stings us and knocks us to one side, but Jesus at the centre, he already knows what's ahead of your life and therefore he takes the sting out of that. So we're going to look at all of that today, aren't we? And we're just going to look at what it means to have Jesus centred at different attributes in your life, different places of your life. And so, so we have come up with five F's. We...
0: I felt that we should have called this message the F-bomb because it would have been way cooler than (laughs) Jesus at the centre, but Emma felt that it might have been somewhat inappropriate for church. (laughs) But we do, we have five F's because actually the whole concept of of kicking off 2022 and saying that we should have Jesus at the center comes out of the thought or the mindset of that, that we're, we're followers of the way, we're right. followers of Jesus, we are followers of the book. And a lot of times we can be involved in things that are maybe to the peripheral of the book or to the peripheral of Jesus, but not necessarily in keeping with having him at the most central and intrinsic position of our lives. And it's kind of like what we all do, and I'm guilty of it just as much as you guys, is that at the start of a year, we go, hey, I'm going to have a New Year's resolution, and you decide, hey, I'm not going to eat chocolate. Anyone joined a gym yet? You'll have left by the end of February. You know, it's kind of like we have all of these ideas about if I can do this one thing. But actually, I think that maybe what we're finding now is when you wanna live a healthy and a balanced life, it doesn't happen as a result of like nailing one particular area. It doesn't happen because you choose to give up chocolate. It doesn't happen because you join a gym or you go for promotion. What you tend to find is that a balanced life looks like multiple things all spinning at the same time. It's kind of like a flywheel that when one of the nuts and bolts are out of sync, the thing rattles. Well, that's what our life does when sometimes we feel that we're somewhat out of sync. And I think that there are five things and coincidentally, they all begin with the letter F, that I think that if we can talk about how to have Jesus at the centre of them, it will, by the end of the year, put us in better stead to just live a healthier, more balanced, feel like a more together life, especially because, you know, today's hot topic of conversation is all around anxiety and depression and mental health and well-being and, hey, this is my self-care. But actually, all of those things don't tend to come as a result of making one huge, large change. But rather multiple small changes over a prolonged period of time. So we want to talk about five things that we think that you've got to have Jesus at the absolute centre of in your life, just so that you live a little bit less anxiously, so that you live a little bit stress-free this year, so that you feel like even in your faith life that you're just a little bit more balanced.
1: Yeah, so the first one we're going to look at is faith. Why don't you kick off with that one and tell us what it looks like to have Jesus centered, because just because you have faith doesn't mean that Jesus is at the center of your faith. You can have a belief and not have him at the center. So what what does it look like to have him at the center of your
0: faith? I guess that we're all tasked charged challenged with the idea of once we've made a decision to follow Jesus we've all got to figure out our own salvation that's what the scriptures teach so in many respects it's not for any one person to say it must be done like this or a b and c so I don't want to be that guy that kind of gets up and says you must do it's just not in my nature I don't want to be that person But in general, I think that there are two things that need to be healthy, need to be balanced, need to be in check in order for you to have a strong, faith-filled, flourishing faith, life. I think there are certain things that you've got to just have in play. If you want to feel like, man, you are growing in your relationship with Jesus, if you want to feel like, man, I'm just closer to him, I feel like he knows my name, I feel like he knows what's going on in my life, then there are often these two challenges that arise in our fellowship of Jesus. The first challenge I find personally is, is communication. Like when my communication with God our Father is weak or is poor or is non-existent, it affects my faith life. But isn't it funny because in the words of the great Lauren Hill, miscommunication, you know, it leads to complication. And I think the same thing happens, right, in our Christian faith too. When there's either no communication with our Father in heaven, or even miscommunication with our Father in heaven, it leads to complications with regards to our faith lives. So I would kind of say like first and and primarily the main thing that you've gotta look at in order to have Jesus at the centre of your faith life is open communication with him. Now, the scriptures teach us that that comes in the form of prayer. You know, Paul teaches us, you know, without ceasing with prayer and supplication, bring and present your requests to God. We're encouraged to keep that channel of communication open to him. But what we often do, and maybe I'm guilty of this, maybe you are too, is I can sometimes feel like prayer is a burden. It absolutely isn't. Prayer is the place where you release your burden. Prayer is the place where you can go to with God about all the things that are consuming you, are concerning you. And I find that when my prayer life is weak, my faith life is weak. So having Jesus at the centre of your faith life for 22 has surely got to start with a strong communication life with the Father. So choose daily to spend some time in prayer. But then the second thing, which is perhaps a little bit more significant in some respects, is that I find that my faith life, the health of my relationship with Jesus is strongly connected to my thought life. Like when my thoughts are healthy, are good, are on the good things in life, or on pure things in life, or on that which is lovely and good and peaceful and joyful, I find that my fellowship of Jesus is way better. Like it's way easier. And I find, and maybe you're the same too, when your thinking gets a little bit faulty, so does the way in which you follow Jesus. And oftentimes, the natural position of our mind is to take us away from how Scripture would teach us to live. So I would say, you know, that we've got to learn the art of doing what Paul encourages us to do in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 10, where he says that we've got to learn the art of taking captive every thought because your thoughts are like trains, You know, I don't know what it's like in Northern Ireland for these guys, but right in Liverpool, the biggest train station is Lime Street, right? And there are like 10 train platforms. And every time I've ever got a train from Liverpool Lime Street, you can go up, and I'm not even talking about the underground, I'm just talking about the the top section of platform. There are so many trains coming in and out of that platform, but I'm not riding on every train. I'm only gonna get on the train that I choose to get on if that's the train that's gonna take me to where I wanna go. And I think our thought life is exactly the same. They are like trains. Your thoughts are like trains that come into your life and you've gotta choose what do you want to think about in your mind? And is what you're thinking about going to take you to where you want to end up in life? Because you will always head in life towards the direction of your strongest thoughts. So when your thoughts are weak and not good, and maybe you're you're a bit jealous or a bit bitter or a bit angry or a little bit lustful or a little bit envious, when your thought life goes on those tracks, it just takes you to a place that can often feel like you're a million miles away from Jesus where, where Paul encourages us like take captive every thought so I try and ask myself this question is this thought is it going to lead me towards love and peace and kindness and God's grace and God's peace in my world or is it not and if it's not I'll try and dismiss it so if you want a strong faith life in 22 make sure your communication channels are open and make sure that your thought life is super healthy
1: I love that. I think the mind is the most powerful thing. And when you actually get into the Bible and you get into the Word of God, there is so much onus on us. So often our prayer life is like using God like a lucky charm. For sure. Like I've got got into trouble, so I'm going to give the Bible a little bit of a rub and I'm going to see what God will do for me. But actually there's a pattern and a way that we're to live by where we have to take responsibility and we have to take onus. So I love that, what you said about the mind. So,
0: what's the the next F?
1: The next F's gonna be family.
0: Is it okay if we call this message the F bomb, even if it's just between (laughs) me and you?
1: look is that all you've thought about all week is the title of the message yeah it
0: was the train that arrived in the platform of my mind wrong thinking yeah
1: okay and so the next step is going to be about family and I just felt like there were so many tangents that I could go off on this because family you know it really for me it's from the dating season it's marriage it doesn't matter whether you're a parent or whether you're a child or a sibling or a grandparent or whatever stage in life that you find yourself at family is going to be relatable to you somewhere, somehow. And if we don't nail family life out there, we will never nail it within the church, which is God's design for the the church is to be family-like. And so I think when you're in a family, no matter what position or role you play, you are always the teacher and the student at the same time. You are always teaching somebody something, even if you're a child, and you are always learning. And we never must forget those two roles are vitally important. And we often talk about Jesus being the head of the family. But I want to look at Jesus being the hub of the family. Because if Jesus is only the head of the family, he's only going to be able to, he's only going to be relatable to the one who is leading that family. So whether you are a single parent or whether you are married, if Jesus, if we only ever saw him as the head of the family, if he was only the head of our family, then I would have to only ever see Jesus through the filter of Luke when it came to the running of our family. But I believe that Jesus is the hub of the family, the centre And if you think about a hub, I began to think this week about a hub on a bicycle wheel. It's that little nugget in the center of the wheel. And the role of the hub is to keep the wheels turning freely while keeping them attached to the frame. That's the role of the hub. And if we were to just transfer that, uh, spiritually speaking, into family life, Then if you imagine all the spokes on the wheel to be a different arm, you know, a dating dating arm or a marriage or your children or your parents or your siblings, then it's... Mother-in-law. (laughs) mother-in-law <laughs> what a big spoke on the wheel that is And
0: got a and, wonky spoke and yeah
1: <laughs> stop and so and so the idea of the hub is that it keeps the wheel turning freely and any time that anything gets stuck in the spokes I don't know if you remember being a kid you got something stuck in the spoke you were you were leaving that bike usually via the handlebars I mean it was pretty like abrupt you were gone and anything that gets stuck in the spoke of your wheel in Family, it affects the whole family. The whole thing comes to a grinding halt. It's not just that one area, it affects every relationship. And so, Jesus is not just the head of the family, but he makes himself relatable. He makes himself relatable to the one who's the breadwinner, and he gives insight and wisdom to the one who is the breadwinner and how they need to deal with the finances of the family. But he also makes himself relatable to the children, and he makes himself relatable to us as mothers as well. I just want to take a moment and speak to the mums in the house and um, particularly the young mums because we all find ourselves at different ages and different stages and some are just starting on relationships and some are about to start families and we have a, an awful lot here at Liverpool One Church who are in the early years, the younger years of raising kids which we thankfully have come through and, um, but then there's the teenagers and then there's the young adults and it, and it never stops. And I remember as a young mom that that I would often get up, uh, uh, I would get quite frustrated because I would be at home with three boys. And, um, you know, I just used to pray, God, let them live till he comes home at night because I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep it together, I'll be honest. And I used to get really frustrated. In fact, I I resented Luke at one point because he was in a full-time job. He was in the police. He was on shift work. So there was order and structure to his day. And then he would do his church stuff at night. And my life felt like the inside of a washing machine. It was just that all of the time with young children and trying to keep on top of the home and trying to do a bit of work. And I felt like I was trying to do a bit of everything right and doing nothing well. And I remember reading the story of Susanna Wesley Susanna Wesley is the mother of um, John and Charles Wesley. You may have heard of them back in the 18th century, famous evangelist and um, hymn writer. But this woman really um, spoke volumes to me because she raised 10 children and her husband, Samuel Wesley, he was a preacher, but he was gone out of town a lot of the time because he only had like a donkey to take him around. So it took a bit of time. And so he was gone from home And she homeschooled her 10 children. And she raised her 10 children in the last century all on her own. And that's, you know, without the mod cons of washing machines and things like that, that's pretty hard going. Anyway, Susanna Wesley realized that the most important thing for her raising her family was her time with God but how do you have time with God when you have young children and this woman it's a, such an interesting story but she used to sit in her favorite chair every morning and she had this big long pinny on and she pulled her pinny over her head and she sat in that chair and she said to the children unless the house is on fire you don't disturb me. Don't come and get me. And the children grew to understand this is mama's time with God and this is really important. I I think it was like the first tent ministry and she'd go under this big pinny and she'd have her time with God. But she realized that if I don't include God in the raising of my children, in my marriage, in my home, then everything, no matter how hard I work, is going to fall to pieces. So when my children... Was small. I wasn't a penny wearing woman, by the way. So I didn't have a penny to go and hide under. And, but I developed a habit myself where I allocated my three kids to three appliances in the house. So one of them was the cooker. One of them was the dishwasher, and one of them was the washing machine. And so when I was at the cooker, I prayed for that child. When I was loading the dishwasher, I would pray for that child. And when I was loading the washing machine, I would pray into the life of that child. That's how it looked in my life. Because I don't believe that when you are a busy mom and you can't set the time aside to pray, maybe as you did when you were single or as your husband does when he has a routine. I don't believe that God would ever want you to miss out And not be a part of um, his plans and his purpose. You just got to find the best way in a busy family life to include God and to make him part of your everyday routine. You know, there's this scripture in Psalm 5 in verse 3, and it's had me lingering there for quite some time. And David writes, every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and I wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. And I just couldn't move past that phrase every morning. I lay out the pieces of my life before you. Do you know what we do? We wait till our life falls to pieces and then we run to God for help. But maybe if we develop the habit within our families of every morning, laying out the pieces of our life before God, maybe we wouldn't experience it fall into pieces as often as we do right now. So wherever stage um, family life finds you, be sure to include God and make him the centre.
0: Yeah, and the, um, the third F that we're going to talk about is always the, the awkward one to talk about because it's finance. And it always feels awkward because everybody feels like, man, it's my money. I should be able to do what I want with it. And that's absolutely right. Y- y- whatever money comes into your life, you should do exactly what you want with it but that is also the problem. It's because of the way in which some of you handle your finances that it actually creates some of the biggest causes of stress and tension and anxiety in your family unit, because some of you don't handle it all that great. And we've been there and we've lived that story. And, you know, we've kind of, we've had different seasons, different times of our life, but we've had to learn how to handle money right. Now, I guess that this is the if you like, the deciding factor as to how you handle your money, it really does depend on whether or not you answer the question to do you follow Jesus in the category of a yes or a no. Because if you would say, nope, I don't follow Jesus, nope, I'm not a Christian, you can do whatever you want with your money. Like, it is your money. Like, good do you think? But the moment that you say, I'm a Christian, the moment that you say, yes, I follow Jesus, then actually, because we're people of the book, we're people of the way, because we're followers of Christ, we're not just attenders at a church, we're followers of Jesus, we've got to do what the book says. And there are principles contained within the book that will help you live out a financially stable and secure life. So the question really is, is do you follow Jesus? Because if the answer is yes, then do what the book says. If the answer is no, then do whatever. And I guess that we could actually... We could really pour a whole message into this subject matter alone, but in the interest of time, we're not gonna do that. But I would just encourage you to do two things at the start of 2022. Two things that if you've never done them before are gonna feel awkward and they're gonna feel strange, they're gonna feel a bit weird. Or two things that if you've done before but moved away from doing, you might feel the pinch. But these two things will alleviate financial stress and pressure from your life and I don't know about you but my life feels so much more balanced than in check when my finances are in order let me give you a really rough example I like going back years and years ago when the kids were small I remember we had this one Christmas and like literally the cooker broke and the dishwasher broke in the same week and it's Christmas week Well, that's some of the most stressful times and seasons in your life if you've not got any money or an emergency fund or any savings to simply replace the cooker or the washing machine or the dishwasher. If you've not got that, that causes stress. And when it causes stress, it causes tension and arguments relationally. And then you're not a particularly great parent because you go into bed every night thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to sort that? Well, here's a question would our lives back then not have been so much more stress free had we have had some money in savings and an emergency fund to take care of things like that you know the answer is overwhelmingly a yes. So the Scriptures teach us a way to be with our money that actually can just relieve some of the pressure. Because do you know one of the main reasons for divorce? In fact, there are two common themes that always come up for why a relationship is not going to last. And it's typically, it's either about the sex or it's about the money. But the money is like, that's so easy to fix if you just follow and do these few things. And so is the sex thing as well. Like, just have some communication. Just talk about it. But let's stay on track (laughs) for the money thing, right? But if we just kind of are willing to get on a plan and do these two things it will help you immensely now remember if you answer yes to the question i'm a follower of jesus then what we do is we take our income and the first tenth of our income is not our own. It's the Lord's. It's God's. And we do what Malachi teaches us to do, which is we take the first tenth, it's called a tithe, and we bring it into the equivalent of the local storehouse. Now, here's the thing. Had a great conversation with Nathan and Megan at their YA event maybe a month or so ago, and we spent like 90 minutes just talking all about finances. But there are so many people who fall into the trap of thinking that they can tip God and receive the blessing of a tithe. A tithe is not a tip. A tithe is when you take your money first, before the mortgage, before the rent, before the car payment, and when you take a tenth. So when you tip God with 3%, that's not a tithe. Or when you give God whatever's left in the account at the end of the month, that's not a tithe. What a tithe is, is honouring God first before you know how everything else is going to work out. And when you bring a tenth, not to some random charity here there or anywhere but into the local church then that's what a tithe is that then commands the blessing of Malachi 3 which is see that God won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't be able to contain it so if you answer yes to the question of I'm a follower of Jesus then honour God with your money don't kid yourself into thinking that Jesus is the centre of your life if he's not the centre of your finance sorry to be that guy, but seriously, your money, like Luke 14 teaches us, your money will show you where your heart really is. So don't kid yourself thinking God's central in my life if he's not the centre of your finances. But now very practically, what you should then do once you've honoured God with the first tenth just save 10%. Like if you find another account and stick another 10% somewhere else, man, how much easier is that going to be for you to handle when the clutch goes? Or when the kid's got a thing at school that needs paying for a trip and they want to go abroad, but you've been saving and you've got it. Or the washing machine breaks, the dishwasher breaks, and you've got the finances. It's kind of like just do those two simple things. And by the end of 22, I promise you, your world will feel so much more balanced. Don't fall into the trap, though, of something that Timothy Keller talks about. And he's not talking about money, but he's just talking about a lot of people follow Jesus this way. And he makes this statement. He says that most people want Jesus as a consultant rather than a king, but it doesn't come that way. And I think that where our finances are concerned, it's not pick and mix. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna do what feels right to me. I'm gonna do what I think is best. I'm not gonna do what some blogger says online. No, no, we're people of the word and where in Luke 11 and Matthew 23, even Jesus talks to the Pharisees and he says, guys, it's right that you tithe. It's right that you honour God with the first increase of your money. Just don't be guilty of thinking that by doing that, it sees you right with God because it doesn't. But don't think in any way that. that if you don't honour God financially, that he would be the centre of your life because it's not how it works. Yeah,
1: you did. You always taught our kids that before they even started working, he'd be like, Tired 10%, save 10%, live off the rest. And and now, you know, they're working and they're earning and to see them doing that as a parent, it really blesses you and it teaches you too. So I know that time is against us right now. So let's just quickly cover these last two Fs. And the next one I want to look at is fitness. And you're either going to scowl at me or you're going to be like, yay. And, but can I just make this clear, right? That I'm not talking about a gym regime. I'm not talking about like hitting the gym hard and doing what we all do on the 1st of January. I'm going to get fit this year. I'm going to, get fit. I'm going to drop three stone. You know, that's not what I'm talking about here. Okay, when I'm talking about fitness, I'm talking about you have one body, one life, one chance. So make it work for you. You have been given the responsibility to look after you, so look after you. If you have a car, you have to maintain it, you have to look after it, you have to keep the condition of the car so... Why we get into the habit of abusing our bodies somehow, you know, is beyond me. So we have to be people who go, okay, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to look after myself. There's an awful lot that happens in life. And, you know, I have experienced this and it's outside of our control. Okay, and I think that God is a faithful God to us when we go to him in prayer. But there's an awful lot that we can do to maintain what we've already been given. And I'm not talking about the whole gym session, but what I am talking about is keeping longevity on your life so that God can execute the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. Because if he says in his word that I know the plans that I have for you, he needs a body in order to do the plans that he wants to do through you. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I'm talking about. We need to be people who listen to our body. You know if you're fit or unfit. You know if we need to lose weight or put weight on. We, need, we know um, what, are, what is going on in our body because we'll moan about it, right? But we need to be people who do something about it before God not just for the look of a holiday not just because there's a wedding coming up not just for, but but we need to do it because it's the right thing to do god put you in a in a an immortal body and he understands the mortal body he understands it gets tired and it needs rest he understands it gets hungry and it needs to be fed but it needs to be fed right god understands all that and there's a story in in 1 kings 19 and it's about elijah and elijah Let me tell you this Elijah wasn't um, running away from God. Elijah wasn't in a bad place. Elijah wasn't following God's plans. Elijah had just seen the most powerful hand of God move upon his life. He'd done great things before God, but there's this story in 1 Kings where he finds himself underneath a broom tree. He collapses on the floor and he just says, God, I'm so done in, I'm ready to die. And he literally prays, God, just Finish me now because I've just had enough. This is a man of ministry. And you know what? God didn't come with the word and give him a word in his life. God didn't come and send someone to pray over him and minister him. You know what God did? God sent an angel to feed him bread, give him water and tell him to go to sleep. Because his human body was just shattered. It was fatigued. You can't just keep going and can't keep going and live off chocolate and crisps and fizzy pop and just keep going and stay up gaming till two o'clock in the morning. Hello, some of my people. But you can't just keep doing that and, and expect to maintain a healthy life and keep going for God. God says, where's your bedtime? What are you eating? Like, are you exercise and do you rest? And so this is really important. And so when God had sent the angel to feed him and tell him to sleep, He then sent him on a journey and just to just to bring this whole thing into a close. Um, Elijah heard from God very, very clearly when his body was in the right place, yeah. when he'd ate, yeah. when he'd slept. When he rested, he heard the voice of God. And some of you think I'm not praying hard enough. Some of you think I need to fast. Some of you are like, I'm just not not Christian enough. Do you know what it is? Your body's out of whack. And if you brought some discipline and order, some rest, some right eating, some exercise, and some sleeping to your physical body, you'll hear the word of God for your
0: life. Yeah, so true. So I know so time's gone, but Yeah, the are. fifth and final thing that we just wanna kind of throw out there and say that this is one of the things that you've gotta keep in check in this next season of your life if you wanna live with more balances, keep your friendship group strong. And I think that the motivation to say this is rooted in Jesus's words. When he talks about how you, as followers of him, you're gonna be known by people that don't follow him for the way in which you love one another. In other words, he makes it such a big deal about the way in which you're gonna interact and react to the people who are friends in your life and in your world. And I guess that the one real short, simple takeaway comment that I wanna make as we close about friendship groups this year is, be a no drama friend. Like, we've all got too much drama in our world. Like, be a low maintenance, no drama. We don't need your theatrical performance about this, that, and the next thing, which is such a big deal to you, but in reality is absolutely nothing. Like, you need to just be a low maintenance person because low maintenance people, they are easy to have on your team. They are easy to employ. They are easy to have round at your house. They are easy to have at your party. Be a low maintenance, no drama person. Because you know what? I think that when Jesus is the centre of your life, I don't think you've got a reason to have all that much drama going on. Like we should be some of the most at peace at calm people on the planet because we've got the spirit of the living God living on the inside of us. So I don't need to bring to you my drama. I don't need to bring to you my saga about this, that, and the next thing, especially when I'm communicative with God first. So to do friendship well and maybe to be known by people that don't know Jesus to recognise the way that we react and interact with one another, maybe it would start this year by being a no-drama, low-maintenance friend. But before we pray, do you want to add anything to that?
1: I think I'm just going to read this Scripture from Proverbs to close. When Jesus is at the centre of your friendship, you're on the same page as someone. Just because someone else is a Christian doesn't mean that friendship is on the same page So it's really important, like the picture of a bicycle, the two wheels work together, there's two pedals working together, there's two handlebars, it takes two legs to make everything motion forward right. Don't have a friend where your pedals are out of whack or your wheels are out of sync because that friendship's not gonna motion forward too well. You know when Jesus is at the center because it flows. And Proverbs 22 says, Don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. Don't associate with someone who's easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Mm. I just want to close by saying, you are going to become like those you have the most conversation with. So be sure that you are having conversation with people who are helping you to motion forward in the right direction to achieve your God-given goals in life.
0: Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.